The series this month, I believe, is a very helpful series. We're talking about steps to building or cultivating a spiritual mind. If we're going to be strong Christians, we really need to learn how to have a spiritual mind, build one or cultivate one. Romans 8 and Romans 12, those are our two main verses for this series. Romans 8, reading from verse 5 in the New Living Translation. It reads as follows. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. For the sinful nature is always hostile to God. It never did obey God's laws, and it never will. That's why those who are still under the control of their sinful nature can never please God. So the Bible here tells us that of the mind that is dominated by the sinful nature or a mind that is dominated by the Spirit of God. A spiritual mind, as the King James says, or a carnal mind, as the King James says. And it says a carnal mind, a mind dominated by the sinful nature, will lead to death. When it says death, it's not talking about physical death. It, it will result in physical death finally, but it's really not about physical death. But it's about being separated from the life and the nature of God. When you have a mind that's controlled by the sinful nature, you'll not walk in peace in your life. You'll not walk in joy in your life. You'll never enjoy the blessings of God. You will not have the Holy Spirit operate in your life to the full measure that he wants to. You will not be led by the Spirit of God to the full extent that you should be. You miss out on the best that God has for you. I don't know about you, Bazalana. I don't want to miss out on the best that God has for me. Can I hear an amen, Bazalana? I want the best that God has, and I believe you want the best that God has. But the Bible tells us that our minds can either be dominated by the sinful nature, or it can be dominated by the spirit. So it's up to you and up to me to deal with our minds. Romans 12 says, reading from verse 1 in the New Living Translation, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. See, in us starting to live out the born-again experience, you know, it has to do with a change of the way we think. See, if you don't change the way you think after you have received Christ, if you don't change your mind, if, as the King James says, if your mind doesn't get renewed, even if you are truly born again, the way you live will not be a witness to that. You can be a Christian, but live like someone who doesn't know Christ at all because our mind needs to be renewed. See, we need to renew our minds in our attitude. We need to renew our minds in our responses to people. We need to renew our minds in terms of how to order our life, for instance. There's a lot of things we've learned in the world that do not line up with God's word. 
But we need to renew our minds, you know. And, and I like the way Paul uses that word. In the King James, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That word transform is actually the word metamorphosis. In other words, we, we get metamorphosed when our mind gets renewed. So what happens? We, we come to Christ. We receive Christ as Savior and Lord. But until our minds are metamorphosed, then our lifestyle will not bear evidence to the fact that we are God's children. All right? And he uses that analogy of metamorphosis. You know the life cycle of a butterfly? It starts first as an egg, and I'm skipping certain, certain steps. It starts as an egg. It becomes a pupa. Then later on, of course, it's going to become a caterpillar, and then it becomes a beautiful butterfly. You know, if you were to take a caterpillar and a butterfly and put them side by side, you wouldn't believe that it's one and the same thing. I mean, the difference between an ugly caterpillar and a beautiful butterfly, it is so vast. And yes, in that caterpillar is a beautiful butterfly. Amen. Amen. And Paul is saying, stop being a caterpillar. Tell your neighbor, stop being a caterpillar. Tell your neighbor, I think I'm sitting next to a caterpillar right now. Paul is saying, you need to be transformed. And he says, the way to move from being a a butterfly, a potential butterfly. Because a caterpillar is a potential butterfly. It doesn't look like a butterfly. It doesn't fly. It doesn't have the looks. It's not as attractive. It's really ugly. But inside, it really is. You know, we must explain Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Because their behavior is so caterpillarish. Tell your neighbor, stop having the caterpillarish behavior. Huh? And Paul says, when our minds get renewed, then we will be that beautiful butterfly that we are. You know, when God changes us, he makes us to be beautiful people. Tell your neighbor, you look so beautiful. Tell them, I meant on the inside. (laughs) So we need to change our way of living by changing our mind. So we said, God is interested in our mind changing. He's more interested in changing our mind than in changing our circumstances. God, therefore, is more interested in what is happening in you than what's happening to you. Because transformation only takes place in my life when my mind is dealt with and my thought life is dealt with. Why is it important for us to manage our thought life. And I'm just doing a recap for those of you who were not here and for those who are here just to remind you. Number one, I need to, it's important for me to manage my thought life because number one, my thought life controls my mind. All right? So, you know, the way I think, that's going to control my life. Number two, I need to manage my thoughts because my mind is the battleground. See, the mind is the, is the battleground for sin. All temptations begins in the mind. All sins of pride, bitterness, anger, hate, they all begin in the mind. Thirdly, I need to manage my thought life because my mind is the key to peace and happiness. And we showed the difference between an unmanaged mind and a managed mind. And so if you don't deal with your mind, it's going to be a problem. So it means every day I have a choice in my life to make sure that I have a healthy mind every day. There are three choices that you must make on a daily basis 
to have a healthy mind. All right? Now you've been taking notes, okay? So what is choice number one? Number one, I must do what? I must do what? Look at your neighbor who didn't say anything. If, if they're visiting, don't worry. But if they're not a visitor, look at them and say, who hey, you didn't say anything. Who hey. So number one, I must do what? I must feed my mind. Number two, I must do what? Free my mind. And number three, I must do what? We've already covered feeding our minds, all right? So I must feed my mind. I must free my mind. I must focus my mind. Every day, every day when you wake up, it's, it's a battle for your mind. Okay? Every day you have to decide. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. Okay? Okay. It doesn't matter how, how old you are. You may be 230 years old, you still have to deal with your mind. You know, sometimes young people look at us who are older, they think we don't have to deal with sin. Hey! You, you deal with sin. It doesn't matter how long. You know, you think the older you get, yeah? Certain things don't become a problem. Hey, they become more of a problem. <laughs> Look at him and say, he, he realized what we're thinking. So he knows what we're thinking. So I know to feed my mind. So we've already talked about it. Feed your mind with the truth of God's word. All right? Feed your mind on God's word. We don't say you shouldn't read or listen to other things, but feed your mind intentionally on the word of God. Make sure that your perspective of life is based on the truth of God's word. Make sure of that, all right? There's a lot of fake news out there. There's a lot of negative news out there. And the best information is God's word. You can never ever make the best decisions in your life if you don't have the best information. And the best information is the word of God. Can I hear an amen on that? Feed your mind on the word of God. Number two, we said I need to do what? I need to free my mind. Say it again. I need to free my mind. See, I need to free my mind from destructive thoughts. I want to pick up on that today and continue uh, where mama was last week. Our minds need to be liberated, delivered, relieved. Why? Because you and I, we are prisoners of our own thoughts. If you let certain thoughts persist in your life, you'll become a prisoner to those thoughts. Remember, there are three sources of thoughts. Three sources of thoughts. Number one, thoughts that come from you. Alright? There are thoughts that emanate from you. Okay? And it will be based on whatever you've been reading, whatever you've been thinking, whatever, or rather whatever you've been feeding on. You know, there are thoughts that, your perspective of you, thoughts that come from you. Number two, there are thoughts that come from Satan. How do you know? Thoughts that come from Satan will always be thoughts that are negative, that are against God's word. Okay? There will be thoughts that come your way, try to make you less than who God says you are. And number three, there are thoughts that come from God. Thoughts that come from God will be consistent with God's word. So as you are sitting like this, you see how cool you are? There's a battle going on in here. And thoughts can come at any time. You can have the most horrible thought at the holiest times in the service. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You know because you have experienced it, right? Yeah, 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 you're worshiping God. You are saying, you are here. And then a thought, boom, hits you. Yeah, just when you are, when we need you, Lord. And then a thought, boom, hits you. So your mind is the battleground. Now watch this, Barcelona. Much as thoughts come our way, we may not be able to stop them from coming. However, we can stop them 
from persisting in our minds. Particularly the wrong thoughts. In the same way, you cannot stop birds from flying over your head. But you can surely stop them from building a nest in your head. Particularly if you bought it from Brazil. I mean, really, it's expensive. It's expensive. Ha! Come and build your nest in my Brazilian hair. Suga. Tell your neighbor, Suga. Amen. So we may not stop thoughts from coming. Thoughts will come. And, and watch this, person, and I'll say that later on. You know, this used to confuse me as a young Christian. When negative thoughts came my way, Satan would make me believe that it's me who thought those thoughts. But thoughts will come. And you can't stop them. You can't stop them from coming. You can't bind them from coming. Mara, as they come, you decide whether they persist in staying. You are the one who decides. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? If you believe those negative thoughts, they will rule your life. No, there are three enemies in your mind that don't want you to be liberated. Three of them. Number one, your old nature. We read about it in Romans chapter 7. Your old nature wants to keep you in bondage. Romans 8 talks about a mind dominated by the sinful nature. This is the old nature, the old person that you used to be. Your old nature is the enemy. Paul talks about in Romans 7 how he says, I want to do the law of God after the onward man. But he says, but there's a law in me that wants me to violate the word of God. Paul says, in my heart, I want to do what's, what's right. But there's a law here in my mind that's trying to push me against God's word. Let's tell the truth, Barcelona. We do do wrong. We do sin. Isn't it so? But you know, oftentimes when we do wrong, there's something in here that says don't do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Somebody says, do Christians sin? Yeah, but they don't enjoy it anymore. Yeah, I don't enjoy it anymore. Have you realized after you got saved, after you became a Christian, you started asking if is it right to, is it right to, is it right to, is it right to. Before you were a Christian, you never used to ask. Why? Because you were not changed on the inside. But now that you are changed on the inside, there's a thing in here called unembez. Huh? Huh? There's a somebody in here called a conscience. You are a new person. The Holy Spirit is in here. It's almost like he is sitting there with a whistle. And when you are going to what was wrong, he goes, and what is it right? Hutsuba. Is it right? Hoshaya vape. Hey, why are you talking about it? But but why are you asking? Because you never asked if it was right to drink water. You never asked if it was right to eat chicken licking. You never asked. That you're asking, it means outaliseg. In English, you are not sitting, no. Uh, you, are not, you are not at peace. You are not comfortable. That's why you are asking. You know, and, and you know, I heard one, one, one minister say this, and I love this. He, says, he said, if Christians were to learn to obey their born-again recreated spirit, they would stay away from so many things. You are a changed person. On the inside, you're not the same old person. You are a new creature. You're not, some of you, you don't even understand. You're a new creature. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. The Amplified Bible says, the old moral and spiritual condition has passed away. The new has come. 
So spiritually, on the inside, God has changed you. You are recreated. You know what recreate means? You've been made anew. God has, has enlivened you. you. You've been made alive. You are not dead anymore. You know, it, 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 a corpse doesn't respond to anything. When you kick it, it doesn't say, achoo. When you pour boiling water, it doesn't react. It doesn't respond. But when you receive Christ, you, you were made alive. Now you are alive inside. So anything that's wrong, you can feel it. It's, you're not comfortable. See, you see, I remember some years ago, you know, I, I got involved in gossiping. Me, yeah. I'm sambululing myself. Years ago, I was, you know, we were involved in this conversation and we started talking about this person and, and we were really talking. How many of you know, you know when you start gossiping, you know, something can start here, but as it goes on, somebody has the nose, other one has the, the ears and it's telupelepele. You know, everything starts changing and you add and exaggerate. At the end of that conversation, I must be honest with you, as I left, I felt so bad on the inside. There was no pastor who said, don't gossip. Who said, you're spoken. Nobody said that. But I felt so bad. And I was wondering why? Why? Before I was a Christian, I used to do that. No problem. But now I'm feeling bad. Hmm? Then I realized it's a new creature in here. Paul says, there's a, there's a, I want to do the law. I, I want to do what's right after the inward man. Because you're no longer the same person in here. You're no longer the same person. You know, in the past, if you went to pick and pay and they gave you extra change, you just say, Mudimu hafika, let's all. Amen. Amen. And they gave you extra change. So, you know, you just felt, no, praise the Lord. Footing is short. God is a miraculous God. And they give you the exact amount. Anybody, anybody, you know, you're running short that month, they give you the exact amount of what you're running short of. But now that you're a Christian, as you're walking to your car, there's something in that. So, so it means even if you, you ignore it, it's not that it's not there. Yeah, it's not that it's not there. But it's that it's being ignored. And watch this. The more you ignore that inward man, the more insensitive you will grow. You end up being insensitive such that even when the inward man is screaming, you don't hear it anymore. That's what Paul calls a seared conscience. A seared conscience. A seared conscience is a conscience that has been burned. So now I'm drinking, this is uh, water, lemon juice, and honey. This is for my voice. There's no gin in here. There's nothing. Okay, guys? And there's no doom. There's, there's, there's no snake. There's no grass. It's just, just, just water. But, you know, but I drink this, and there are times when they make it very hot. You know, they, they think it's going to stay here for a while, so they, they make it hot. And when I drink, I whoa! <laughs> Jesus! You know? And, and so you find it, it's too hot for me. I can't take it. It's too much for my lips, my tongue, and my throat. It's too hot. But if I insist on doing that, there'll come a time when I can drink it without feeling anything. What's this? It doesn't mean the temperature has been lowered. It means I have adjusted my tolerance level. Yeah? So don't be confused when you see a Christian jumping in and out of bed with people that they're not married to, stealing and lying, and they come to church and raise their hands, and you say, oh, so it means I can do it. Listen, 
If your policeman is blowing the whistle and you can't do it, don't do it. I'll tell you what they've done. They have adjusted their tolerance level. Yeah. Yeah. If we were to listen to the, the, that, that witness on the inside, there's a lot of things we wouldn't do. If you, are to, if you are to have a bad attitude towards somebody, bad attitude. You know, husband and wife, sometimes we, we don't fight. We just engage robustly. <laughs> no, we don't fight. We just have a robust engagement. And after you've told her a piece of your mind, after you've told him a piece of your mind, you try to go to bed. And then you can't sleep. You're turning and tossing, turning and tossing. Yes, yes, yes. So the guy on the inside is saying, a child of God doesn't talk like that. You may have given them a piece of your mind. Now you have nothing left. No, I mean, you, you, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. You may have given them a piece of your mind, but that's not the way to talk. What do we do? We ignore it. No, we ignore it. We, we, tend to, we just ignore it. So what happens? The more you ignore it, the more seared you become, the more your tolerance level is, the more now you can do stuff and not, you know, it's not that when you do it, God is saying yes. No, it's just that when you do it, you can't feel the pain anymore. So you can, you can do, you can come to church, go sin, steal people's things, take their iPad from the chair, open their bag, take the offer. You can do anything. You can come here, smoke, drink, everything, come to church, you go sin, whatever, you're, you're, and, and, and lightning is not going to strike you. You've already found that out. But you're going to answer one day before God. No, the thing is this. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. We're going to answer one day before God. There comes a day when all secrets will be revealed. Yeah. So the same way with thoughts. Thoughts can come. You can accommodate them. You can allow them. Or you can counter them with God's word. So the first enemy is the old nature. The second enemy is Satan. Satan wants to control your mind. Know this, Bazalan. Satan cannot control you as a believer, but he will create these thoughts that need to that want to persist in your mind. Don't ever believe everything you think. Interrupt it and filter it through God's word. Don't assume that if you think it, it must be true. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11, 2, 11, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. In other words, it says, we, we don't want Satan to outsmart us. So Satan brings to us. Thirdly, the third enemy is the world system. You know, let's be honest, Pastor. The world system doesn't really support God's way. Let's tell the truth. What the world values, what the world puts a premium on, is not really consistent with the word of God. And when I say culture, I'm not talking about African culture. I'm just saying the way things are done around us. The world is not helping us to be disciplined. You know? I was telling them in the first service that, you know, one of the things that's striking me very hard these days is how, you know, we say, I have a right to do this and so on. And it's okay, we all have rights. But what we never think about is how those rights impact on others. Let me give you an example. If me as a man, I say, don't tell me I have a right to sleep around. No, it's fine. I have a right. But do you realize having to have children all over the place, did you ever think how it affects those children? You know, we never think about it. We never think about it. We never think about it. 
Yeah, of course, it's fine. I can go around, do whatever. Okay, I'm free to do it, no problem. But how would you like to be those children who grow up not knowing who their dad is? Or who have to share you? Ten of them all over with different people. They can only see you for a short time. They have to grow up not having the privilege of having me as a dad. Imagine, now, nah, yeah, I have a right. And you know, one of the things I'm realizing, because we deal a lot with young people and we counsel a lot, we have a lot of angry children these days. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. They've been disappointed by authority figures. They've been made to grow up in families where parents have their choices. They move in this one, move this one. You know, these days people don't marry, they just move in. So it's okay, you know, you move in, move in. Move in. Move in. Try them for three months. If they don't work, move out. Move in with another one. And they don't just move out, they leave them with a child. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So move out. And then the day you, are, you have tested and tried, then you decide to settle. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what we do. You know, people today don't talk about marriage. They talk about my partner. Yeah, because it's a temporal arrangement. It's not meant to be permanent. But children need permanence. Children need predictability. When they go to school, they want to say, my dad. They want to say, that's my dad. That's my dad. They want to be brought by their dad to school. They want their dad to be at their thing. They say one day, but, but that's not what we do. No. Yeah, we have rights. But have you ever thought about it? You know, I was talking to somebody the other day. They told me about this man had children out of wedlock, stays with one, the other one guy. Never told anybody at home because we guys, sometimes we do that. We don't tell. So the young man got a girl pregnant. And then he comes to the dad and mom says, I want to marry that girl. And they say the father was so against it. So they were wondering, this boy, he's done wrong. He wants to marry. You know, why don't you let the guy marry? I mean, he didn't start right, but at least was Hamolukis. No, the father was not for it. Only to find out who the, the lady is a sister. It's a half sister. Don't harm me, you know. Yeah, only to find it's a half sister, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a problem. So, the, yeah, the brother has a choice. But do you know what that does to children? Who discover after father has gone that they are brothers and sisters. They just meet there. Then there's my brother, is my sister. They, 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 yeah. We have a choice, yeah. We can do what we like, mm-hmm. But do we ever think about the effects it has? See, but the world doesn't talk about that. No. No, the world says, no, be free. You're free. You're just moving. Have your partner. Swing. Just swing. So what do they do? When they advertise stuff on television, they make it look nice. Hmm? Hmm? They're advertising this uh, gin. And when they advertise the gin, they show you some hunk of a guy, six-pack on a yacht with some babes. <laughs> oh, you don't like my sermon, do you? 
So you, you, you think that's the way we should live. Yeah, so you, that's the definition. Of, yeah, so, so you, you feel if I drink this gin, I'll be like that. They don't, they don't show you the picture of an alcoholic. So, so, so the world system lies to us. The world tells us, get all the money you can get. You know, you look at all the celebrities and everything they do, whatever they do, they say you do it. Whatever they do, they just do. They just live, they swing, they whatever, they yacht, they gin, they everything. So, so we want to do it. The world is feeding us what's wrong. And I'm telling you, Bazalan, when you live for God, you have to make up your mind at the point. Not to be cool. Yeah, it's hard when you're a young person. I know you young people. But I'm telling you the truth. 20 years from now, you will thank God that you kept your life. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Because all that's in the world, everything that's in the world has only one result. It leads to death. I'm telling you. It leads to death. 1 John 2, 16 says, All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. But Satan feeds us with lies. He makes us believe it. And the, and the media, you know, they, they, they push money, sex, power, you know, fun. You know. And they pump all these lies. They bring all these systems to us. So they become what? Stronghold. A stronghold is a lie that you believe. You, you believe something, but it's a lie. See, the world wants us to believe that the, the entire goal of life is to have fun. It's called hedonism. Just have fun. Party! 24-7, 375 and a quarter. Just party non-stop. Yeah, Monday party, Tuesday party, Wednesday party, Thursday party, just party. Go to Nyahahoke party. Have a party. Njalo party, just party. That's very unreal. That, that, that's, that's not going to work. But the world tries to believe. So we believe that. So what happens? Yeah, young people, people, we, we gun for partying. We want to love that parties. So when we have an opportunity to make something of our lives, we party instead. We don't want to go to school. We don't read. We don't take responsibility at home. Oh, I know you don't like my sermon today, but I'm going to preach to you today. You have parents who are sending you to school. They're doing their best to help you. You are young enough to go to school and read. Mara Why? Because they've made us believe the world is about partying. And then it becomes a problem when somebody dies in that party. And when we go to the funeral of the partying person, then reality strikes. And we want to go alone. But because reality is striking, you see, partying is just for a time. We're going to end up here one day. Yeah, yeah. Or the world is, 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 is telling us all of life is about materialism. It's a philosophical idea that all that matters in life is just to make money. So just make money. Lie, cheat, kill, just make money. All right? Whatever. Just make money. Have hundreds of cars, hundreds of houses. Just have all the money in the world. And if, when you have all the money in the world, you'll be happy. That's not true. But it's a world system that's been pushed. We are made to believe that. So all these isms, secularism, hedonism, materialism, 
All these things, almost like all that matters is power, it's fame. They become strongholds in our mind. We have to counter those things. My goodness, we have to counter those things. I tell you. Because, you know, when you are young, you, 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 you think that's all that matters. Yes, can I live along? We were young too. You know, when you are young, you think if you can have all the women in the world, you'll be cool. As a guy, you know, think if you can have all the women in the world, oh, I'm the hunk. Also, some of you are still thinking like that. <laughs> but we need to counter those things. So a stronghold, Bazalana, is a thought in your mind that you believe. Listen to this. When those thoughts come, you don't need to entertain them. A stronghold can also be, I'm never going to forgive that person. That can be a stronghold. I can never forgive myself. That's a stronghold. I'll never amount to anything. That's a stronghold. So if you're not going to learn how to be mentally healthy, if you're going to learn how to be mentally healthy, you need to learn how to deal with strongholds in your life. And I want to show you how to do that. How do we fight this mental battle? Because I'm telling you, every day when we wake up, it's a day to battle. It never stops. Doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you have to battle this. 2 Corinthians 10. Turn there with me, please. Look at anybody say, you are so quiet. Just ask them, did he see you on the yacht or what happened? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 5. It says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. Somebody say war. war. Say it again. Our tongue, say it again. War. Say it like you believe it. War. So it says we do not wage war as the world does. It means we don't fight like the world fights. Mara, we fight. It's a war. It's a war. It's a war. He explains the war. Next verse. He says, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish what? To demolish what? To demolish what? So these are weapons to demolish strongholds. Strongholds must be demolished. I say strongholds must be demolished. Verse 5, it says, we demolish what? Arguments and that do what? That set itself up against what? In other words, these strongholds, when they come, they will always contradict God's word. That's what we are demolishing. We are demolishing thought processes. We are demolishing arguments. We are demolishing suggestions that come against the word of God. And what do we do to them? We do what? We do what? We take captive every what? So these strongholds come in the form of thoughts. These strongholds are thoughts. We take captive every thought. Thoughts that come, they fly into our minds. Whether from you, whether from God, whether from Satan, from God, it's fine. You don't have to do anything. But from you, from the devil, you must take captive every thought and make it what? Make it what? Obedient to who? How do you do that? You make them obedient to Christ by bringing them under what the word of God has to say. I'm going to show you how to do that. Somebody say, take captive. Or say it this way, say, war. 
captive. Say it again. War. War. Captive. Make obedient. So this is war. So it means these thoughts, the war is in our minds. There's a battle in our minds. And the battle is to deal with these thoughts that come into our minds. And any thought that's against the knowledge of Christ that contradicts God's word, we don't let it just roam around and stay and build a nest in our head. We don't let that thought persist and end up becoming a stronghold. But what we're going to do is when the thought comes, we're going to take it captive. And we're going to make it obedient to Christ. The word take captive means to conquer. That word captive means to bring under control. That word captive means what's topical now to capture. So when you can capture Baba. State capture, thought capture. So we take captive, we take captive, we conquer every thought, we bring it under control, we, we capture that thought, and we make it obedient. That expression to make obedient means to bring into submission and to bring into compliance. I'm going to show you. Here we go. A thought comes. I can't stop it from coming. But as it comes, I shouldn't let it stay and build a nest. And finally become a stronghold. I need to tamper with that thought. I need to deal with that thought. I'm going to take it captive and I'm going to make it obedient to Christ. Can I hear an amen? amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? He's talking about how to make your mind be free. He's talking about how to make your mind mind you. The truth is this. Thoughts all or sometimes often they disobey us. Let's tell the truth. Thoughts rebel against us. Thoughts come, they want to go in a different direction. So when you want to think on God's word, your mind wants to wander off somewhere. So take them captive, make it obedient. Here you are in the morning, you want to pray. I don't know if you've been there. You know, I wake up in the morning, I like praying in the morning. You, know? you want to pray, you've woken up to pray, eh? four in the morning, half past three, three o'clock, whatever time, five o'clock. Here you want to pray, you close your eyes and your mind. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, here you are. You set time aside to be in the presence of God. Your mind You can spend two hours just through going through the motions with your mind over there. So you've got to bring it under control. The reason why many people never make it in life and never experience victory in life is because most people have never learned how to fight the battle of the mind. Let me share with you, Basalan. In 1979, I was only a year old as a Christian. I had such a great hunger for God, but I went through a very painful experience one day, I, I happened to get into a situation where there was somebody who was, who was passing insults that were so bad. And my family happened to be part of the people who were being insulted at that time. I walked into this situation. I, I, I just come from school and I walked into this situation and I found this great, you know, this insults going on. And hey, I tell you, 
I had never heard that level of insult. I tell you, if we were to put on a grade, that was grade triple A. I've never heard that that, 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 that was a distinction or oh, 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 oh. a high level of insults. I'd never heard insults. I'd have never heard anything like that. And as I'm there listening, it was like an evil force just jumped out of this person and lashed itself to my mind. You know, it was like, because as I left there, I, I kept hearing these insults in my mind. I just couldn't shake it off. Wherever I went. Now, I'm born again. I'm spirit-filled at the time. I'm attending school. I have a passion for God. I want to work for God. I want to do right. Mara, these thoughts, I can't shake them off. As a young Christian. And then these thoughts went to another level. Not only would they come and torment me during the day, as I knelt to pray in the morning, four in the morning, as was my habit, then the thoughts would come during prayer. Here I am, I'm trying to pray. And then the thoughts come. And I'm hearing all those great triple A. Hey. But then these thoughts move to another level. I want to show you something. If you don't deal with them, they mutate into something worse. Then these thoughts started now, these curse words started being directed to God. I heard them in my mind cursing God. Yeah, here I'm praying. And these words would curse God. I wouldn't say it out. I heard it in my mind. So, you know, I did the best thing I knew. I would pray harder and say, God, please remove this. Oh, God, please. Nothing happened. I fasted. Nothing happened. For six months, I was so concerned because these thoughts went to another level now where they started cursing the Holy Spirit. And by coincidence, I read a verse in Matthew chapter 12 that says blasphemy against the Son of God will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. And this verse said, you see, you have blasphemed the Holy Spirit. There's no forgiveness for you. Therefore, you will never go to heaven. You know, in my heart, I'm, I'm doing what's right. Mara, there's these thoughts. So I went for counseling. Uh, the people who counseled me, they made things worse. <laughs> the other one said to me, you know, uh, when you are a young Christian, God gives you a temptation at this level. As you grow, he makes the level higher. And afterwards, I thought, okay, yeah, the level is higher, but, 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 but you haven't helped me. Because I'm still hearing these things. It was at that time, during that time, as I told you, in 1979, we used to pray together during lunchtime for a revival at our school. So at one of the prayer meetings, they asked me to pray for one of the young ladies at our school to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I laid hands on her. As I laid hands on her, I heard these curses to her in my head. I'm telling you. And then she didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. As I left, the devil said, you see, I told you God has rejected you. Let me pause Barcelona, for a while because I want to continue this story. I think some of you may be going through that. Some of you may be going through that. A certain minister tells the story of one of the congregants in his church who ended up in a mental institution because 
She believed she had blasphemed the Holy Spirit. The minister didn't know what had happened to her. But somehow one day as he was praying, God led this man to help this lady and pray for her. In her case, it had gone to a point where she lost her mind. At least I hadn't lost my mind yet. But she lost her mind. I won't go through the whole story. This minister finally prayed for this lady whom God delivered. And, and as he was talking to the doctors and telling them, why does she think she has blasphemed the Holy Spirit? The doctor said, the psychiatrist said, 80% of the people in this world, that's all they are, that's what they think they have done. 80%. There's a lie out there that Satan is perpetrating against God's people, putting thoughts in their mind and making you believe that it is you who's thinking those thoughts. And because they don't know how to take captive, they don't know what the word says, the best they can do is to pray and to fast. And this kind doesn't go away by fasting. I'll show you how it goes away. If you can bring my verse back in Second Corinthians. And so what happened was, after six months of being frustrated, Finally, you know, God is always gracious. My friend, Muruti Kenneth Makopo, told me about a certain minister by the name of David Nunn. He used to talk about him, and, and somehow I, I got one of the books, and as I saw one of the books that Kenneth had, I saw at the back he had several books. So I ordered a, a host of this book because I, was, I needed help. I needed help. But then I used to cry myself to sleep. I never told my family. I lost weight. Those six months, I lost weight. In fact, I remember when I used to go to youth club at Youth Alive. My friends used to come to me and say, you look sad. What's wrong? I would never tell them. In that process, there's a, there's a lady who came there, Florence Yabuha from Ghana. She came and preached in the, in the, in, to us as young people. And afterwards, she, she, she let us consult with her for, to come for counseling. So I went and I told her, she prayed for me, but she couldn't give me further advice. All the prayer, everything, I didn't, I didn't, I... So when I bought these books, among the many books, there's two books that helped me, and I still have one of them. I've kept it. I tell you, it's like treasure. Oh. One was Declarations of Faith. It was red and black. The other one was Confessions of Faith. That's the one I have. It's, it's powder blue and yellow. As I read these books, I realized something. Listen to me, Bazarana. The lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is for Satan to get you to doubt what God says about you. Yeah. He puts thoughts in your mind to make you doubt what God says about you. As I read the, this book, it, it, I started realizing what the Bible says about who I am in Christ. One, I discovered I'm a new creature in Christ. As a new creature in Christ, there's no way I can curse God. There's no way. Huh? How, how do I curse God? When I'm really saved. I never curse God as an unbeliever. How do I curse God now that I'm born again? How could I do that? That's the first thing I realized. The second thing I realized is that the Bible says that uh, I have the mind of Christ. I realized that. And then the third thing I realized that the way to counter 
The lie of Satan is for me to make a declaration of who I am. Watch this, Bazalan. When Satan brings negative thoughts to you that contradict the word of God, how do you take them captive and bring them under subjection? You must speak back what the word of God says about you. I tell you, when I discovered that, I went back to the Bible and at least this book was, had things that the Bible said about me. I discovered when Satan tells me, you'll never get healed, I must answer him and say, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. When Satan puts it in my mind that you will never ever make it in life because you don't have enough, I must say back to him, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. If the devil wants to suggest to me you will never be made free, I must talk back to him and say, if the son of man has made me free, I will be free indeed. I must tell him, Jesus said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Then you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If the devil tells me I am confused, I don't know where I'm going, I must answer back and say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I must answer back and say, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I must answer him and say, the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. I've got to say it back. It's war. I mustn't sit there like I'm an RMS capsule. I've got to respond. I've got to talk back. I've got to take that thought and bring it under obedience. This is who God says that I am. Can I hear a shout in this house? That day, that day, everything I couldn't deal with in six months, I dealt with in one day. One day, one day, because I applied what was right, and then I realized, oh, this is what Jesus did. After he came from the fast for 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says, and the devil came to him. Now, we don't know if he saw the devil. We don't know if the devil put thoughts in his mind. Whatever was said to him, he responded by, it is written. Oh. The devil came to him and said, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that goes from the mouth of God. Can I hear an amen in this house? Can I hear an amen in this house? Can I hear an amen in this house? The devil comes to him and said, and showed him everything and says, all these things I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. He said, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord your God and him only shalt thou serve. The devil says to him, take yourself up to the pinnacle of the temple, throw yourself down. Because it is written, he will send his angels to charge over you. Jesus says, I have read the whole thing. It is also written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God and him only shalt thou serve. Can I hear an amen and the house, you got to hit the devil with it. It's written. And I started a journey from then of going to the word of God and saying about me what God says about me. 
And when a thought comes into my mind that they're not going to listen to what you preach, I answer back, I say, I am anointed by the Holy Spirit. Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen in the house? I remember when I went to Bible school, there was this fear that was coming my way that what are you going to do after Bible school? How are you going to run the church? And and what kind of church are you going to run? And and, and I would answer back and I'd say, listen, it doesn't matter because my steps are led by the Lord. The Lord is going to guide myself. I see God guiding your steps. I see God leading you. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen in the house? Can I hear an amen? I'm suggesting today when you get out of this place, don't walk around like you're an RMS capsule. Take God's word and say what God says about you. If you're going for the interview tomorrow, don't go there with the mindset that they're not going to choose me. Don't go there with the mind that they're not going to shortlist me. As you walk, say they cannot afford not to have me because God's going to give me favor. It is written he will give me favor. And as I walk in there, he will give me favor. Say to yourself, God said when I sit before them, I shouldn't be afraid because the Holy Spirit at that time will give me words to speak. When they come to you and say, Ritao, lawyer, look at them and say, you know what? God has built a hedge around me. God said no weapon formed against me will prosper. No time will stand against me that day. Can I hear an amen in the house? Take God's word. You know why the word of God is called a sword? In Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says above all. Taking on the shield of faith. And the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. We learned last year that that sword. Is sharp on both ends. That sword. Of all the armor that a believer wears. The helmet, the breastplate, the shin guards, the belt, all those other pieces, they are all protective gear. They protect you. It is only the sword that is for attack. It is the sword that is for war. And when the devil comes against you, take that sword, swing that sword, say in Jesus' name, it is written. It is written. It is written. And you'll be taking captive every thought and bringing it into obedience to the knowledge of God. And you will walk with a spiritual mind filled with the word of God, thinking the thoughts of God, thinking about you, what God says about you. And the more you think about it, the more real it becomes. And the more real it becomes in your heart. And when it gets into your heart, when you open your mouth from the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to speak. And you begin to say about yourself what God says about you. I see somebody here going into victory in the name of Jesus. Watch. Watch. People need people to be prayed for. You don't need to be prayed for. You need to take what rightfully belongs to you. We can pray that the anointing should come upon your life, but after that anointing has come upon your life, you take up your rightful position in the name of Jesus. Give the Lord a big hand.
Raise your hands and pray. Pray, pray, pray. Thank God for your victory today. Thank God that the lie of the devil has been put down. Has been put off. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 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 Mama Dabra Sokorobo. Mama Mama Dabra Oh, Jesus. Pray the Holy Ghost. Jesus. Pray, 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 pray in this house. Pray, 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 pray in this house. Yes, get your breast at the Mama, 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 mama. 